never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today, I have got a beautiful woman with me. She is Tina Davidson, who is a classical composer. Now, there are not so many of them out there. And I thought, wow, okay. When I, when I heard about that, I thought, wow. And then when I realized that this woman is actually connecting her feelings and equally her trauma and her past with the music and is essentially evolving as such and is moving forward, is, create, is creating a probably a bit of escapism is my, my, my little bit of suspicion, but also a way out, a way of using music to deal with emotions, to amplify them, uh, to bend them, to change them. And that is beautiful. That is a power that we all want. So therefore, let's figure out how Tina does it. Tina, welcome to my show. Thank you so much. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> I know it is. Music is such a powerful and beautiful thing. It can do so much. It is not for nothing that music has been around with us for probably 100,000, 200,000 of years. I'm sure people clapped and used drums and used kind of, of those kind of things much, much, much earlier than even speech was properly developed. Yes. Was it not? I we can only guess, <laughs> yeah, uh, true. certainly, yes, certainly, I think that's true. And I love that you talked about, you said music is escapism. Um, I'm going to say that for me, sometimes composing music was a way of putting myself in a safe place. Mm. Um, I think that my relationship to music is a little bit... Um, analogous when I was a child I did a lot of dissociating and that's you know you step back and you're not really present but if you think of music as kind of a healthy dissociation <laughs> where you come into the sound and in a funny way then you start to breathe it like you might be able to breathe water that uh. that it creates a, a safe place for us and also that Sound goes in 360 degrees. It's not, doesn't go straight out or straight to the side. I think that's why uh, noise can be really distressful because you can't get away from it. Uh. Somebody's making noise. It's, it's going out in a big circular fashion. Uh, but certainly for me as a child, uh, I was brought up as a pianist. And uh. Uh, I think it was uh, just a very safe place it's sort of like washing dishes like nobody really cares to bother you when you're washing dishes because they don't want to help <laughs> oh, you're kind of safe i never uh, looked at it from that angle yeah, <laughs> oh, no. washing dishes if you're the oldest of a lot of kids that's a very good place to be nobody can bother you the water is warm you're doing something productive Things okay. get clean, you know. It's like win-win. <laughs> priceless, think, priceless. Okay, yeah. I'll take, I take. I I I just put that seat in my head. <laughs> may it may it grow and prosper. <laughs> yeah. So I think you know, just from a very early age, uh, particularly since the, some of the things that I was dealing with were difficult and. 
um, you know, I played the piano and I loved it. I also loved books. And so, again, that was a very safe world. You just mm. enter a book and you are there and nobody really nobody's yelling at you from within the book. Mm. Mm. Uh, again, it's very safe. So. Um, when it's beautiful. I it's beautiful to hear that. But often enough, um, children are forced to play the piano. Children right. are forced to do something. Um, was that uh, how was your relationship with the piano <laughs> starting? So, well, I started playing when I was five. And when I got I probably was practicing an hour a day when I was seven. Uh -huh. So my mother decided she'd pay me five cents an hour. And later when I was nine. <laughs> Excellent. I renegotiated it to 10 cents an hour. Excellent. So I felt like um, I I loved playing the piano, but I also loved reading. And one of the things that I would do when I was really naughty is I'd memorize my music and put my novel up on the piano. My mother would start the timer <laughs> and I'd read my music. I'd read my book. <laughs> you know, it didn't do a lot for my practicing. And, and finally, my teacher sort of caught on and said, you didn't practice. And I'm like, going, no, well, I was playing, but not practicing. It wasn't until I was in college that uh, I was at Bennington College and I had gone to a conservatory in Germany and had studied in Israel at the Tel Aviv School of Music by the time I got to college. And so I was a really good pianist. But in Bennington, they felt that all performers should be composers and all composers should be performers. Excellent. So I, was, I, so I had to take this composition class and I was very grumpy about it. I thought, you know, I was young and naive and I thought all great music had already been written. Um, and I had never played any music by a woman composer. It never occurred to me that women could make that as a career choice. Uh, but I wrote music. And within the first semester, the first three months, it was something I had to do. And when I think about it now, I think it offered me a voice to express myself But if you listen to it, you wouldn't know exactly what I was saying. There's a kind of anonymity about composing music. You can't say, oh, you really hate your mother or, oh, you're having problems in your love life. It's very anonymous. So I don't know if all composers compose about their own lives. I always have. I've always used it as a way of understanding myself better and deeper. Um, But I think, oh, there's a wonderful quote, and I've forgotten. Oh, it's Mumford, the philosopher. He said that the artistic endeavor is to be heard, but not to be found. Uh, uh, to be heard, but not to be found. How intriguing. How intriguing, because that sort of goes against the grain of every performer out there. Um, so is composing essentially uh, a uh, uh, a safe way for an empath to enter the music world. <laughs> yes, I think perhaps, I think also the idea of being visible is really, you know, all the performance arts are really about being visible. You uh. have something to say, but you want other people to see it, hear it, receive it. Mm. And that uh, I had to acknowledge very early on that, As a composer, I did want visibility. Oh. Now that can be different than fame. Fame is good, 
But I, I think the essence of fame is visibility, that people see you. And I grew up um, not feeling seen. Oh. And, I, you know, when I look back at it now, in hindsight, I think that that was also part of what really attracted me to me, you know, that I could write my, I could speak my truth. I could heave my heart into my mouth and I would be visible. I would be able to be seen and acknowledged. And, you know, we have all different kinds of level of being acknowledged. I think in my family, um, I felt a kind of a lack of acknowledgement. And so then this became kind of wanting that, that acknowledgement uh, for myself. You know, in the beginning, I certainly wasn't clear about these things, but I've always uh, thought deeply about the process and about my connection. And in fact, I will now say that I also wrote a book that's uh, just published this year, Let Your Heart Be Broken. And I am finding that in the book, I really articulate my musical process. And I'm so interested that musicians are going, wow, you're putting words to something that I understand and know, but we don't usually talk about. We, you know, in the music world, we don't usually talk about the process or right. um, we will demonstrate the process like, oh, you know, you're going to play like this. And, you know, the phrasing is like that. But to actually find words to help us maybe understand it deeper or even to explain to the non-musician why our relationship to music is so important to us. Mm. Um, Yet, I so, mean, it, what you're describing is is a unique challenge because music goes much deeper than the words. Music goes deep into the soul. Into It, it, it triggers emotions, good, bad. It, it doesn't care, the music. Uh, obviously, there are some, some genres where man, the blues or or, um, or or certain more sadder kind of things there. Okay, of course, they, they bring out the tears. They bring out the, the, the more heartfelt emotions. But there's some, some music that just sets you up to be, to be more invigorated. So we are playing with emotions. We are playing with states of minds with by by using the right choice of instruments, mm -hmm. the right mood that we are setting with it, the right uh, minors, majors, the combinations. And it's so beautiful. You are creating states of minds, but you're doing so not with words of the consciousness, but you're going to the subconscious and you're, you are basically working like a, like a, I don't know, I, I'm lacking the words now, but it's, it is, you're working on a level that is way below our consciousness, isn't it? I, I think so. Um, you know, I don't like to give music uh, some airs that it's like this magical thing that's different than any of the art forms. Each art form is really different and mm. appeals to us in a different way. Mm. It is interesting that um, people who have lost the ability to speak because of a stroke or a brain tumor, and I had an occasion, my uh, beloved niece, who is uh, a teenager, had a brain cancer and was dying, and I was helping, I was 
helping with the home care for the last five weeks. And she couldn't speak, but she could sing. And with the, the singing, she was singing Wicked, were words. She could sing the words of Wicked, but she couldn't speak. Aww. And I've heard that uh, one way that they teach people uh, to learn to speak again because of strokes is through music. So clearly words can be attached to music in a different part of the brain. Exactly. How beautiful. Um, yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I was actually not aware of that. But now that you say it, we know the neuroplasticity of the brain is just mind blowing. And it's, it's still a big black box uh, where we only just just start to begin to understand what is actually happening in there. So music has got power and you're harnessing this power. Um, and it's interesting that I wasn't aware, but it's logic that a composer just as much as an author um will who will write maybe uh, or choose his protagonists or his antagonists based upon their own life of course a composer would also put uh put their heart literally into their music um are you is that is that uh, common is that normal so should I re-listen to to some of the the classical music out there and think, huh, what was Debussy all about? What was uh... <laughs> so my theory, and I actually wrote an article in the 90s for Ms. magazine about women and composing. Uh -huh. And there was always been a lot of debate if you can if you compose out of your gender. So oh. here's my take. When I listen to Beethoven, what I love about it, it feels really authentic to him. He was a grumpy man, you know, well-educated, but he was he was grumpy. And, you know, you, you can hear some of that, even his, you know, his endings, you know, bang, bang, bang. You know, I, I don't do that. I, you know, I'm much more of getting to a point, and when I get to the point musically, I, as I touch ground, I lift off and go someplace else. That's much more of my. So anyway, at that point, I started saying, "Okay, I'm not going to say anything definitely, but to beg the question, if I look at writing music from my viewpoint, my gender." my age, being a single parent, living in this time, uh, what do then I bring to my music? Uh, How do I speak of myself in this time? Because I've always felt that the great composers are a, have an authentic voice about themselves in their time. That's my uh, take on classical music, having played it for over 50 years, <laughs> is that... What I love about them is the the authentic, you know, I am hearing a Bach mm. or a Beethoven mm. or a Schubert or a Debussy or mm. a Babalesky, who's mm. so whimsical, um, you know, Tchaikovsky, who seems so like always angst in these melodies that are just like yearning and craving. So personally... I've always felt that I write from who I am 
and maybe hopefully who I'm becoming. Yeah. So perhaps I'll have a question to myself as I'm writing a piece of music. And uh, for instance, I use a lot of different titles. So it, in my 40s, uh, I was divorced, a single parent, and I wrote a piece called um, ooh, Fire on the Mountain. And mm. it's actually about love. It was about um, that I had a dream that I was trying to take a photograph on of a horse who was lying on a couch outside. And I couldn't get him in my viewfinder. So I realized I had to step back. And when I stepped back, I looked up at the mountain and there was, I don't know, maybe beautiful sunlight or maybe there was actually fire. But I thought, oh, fire on the mountain. I get too close to love. I I get overwhelmed and too close. I need to step back. And so the whole piece is about my relationship at that point with love. I'm not saying that it you'd go, oh, there she met a boy. You know, it's just I hold that idea in my head and then I write the piece. Um, Beautiful. But it's very rhythmic. It's very, you know, it, it, you know, it tends to be crashing about and finally it kind of breaks apart. And, you know, once it's broken apart, it just, I don't know, goes up to heaven. You know, there's this this beautiful melody at the end. Um but that's how I compose music. And I can't say that other people do. <laughs> you know, I just but don't know. You know, I don't want to say that, you know, I don't want to like say, oh, I'm an authority. Oh, no, 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 no. What comes first? What is the chicken? What is the egg here? Um, does your emotion come first? So you, 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 you bring in the emotion, you visualize this emotion, you have got this picture and then see what your hands do as a pianist. Uh, does it just come out? I mean, when I, when I wrote uh, my book, My Steps to Sobriety, um, I, it all started with my wife saying, well, why don't you actually write about your journey? And I thought, no, I can never do that. No, 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 no. And I started writing and I couldn't stop. And I started writing and it just came out of my fingers. And there were moments when I was writing where literally my eyes were looking, what the hell are you writing there? And, Whoa, really? Really? So my fingers came with the, with the, uh, my, my soul poured out through my fingers with my consciousness being behind and learning what, Whoa, Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. Um, is it a similar path with you? Uh, you know, I right now I'm going to be starting a new piece called Shimmer. I um, And I've been thinking about this piece for a long time. I don't even know what it is. But this idea of something that's shimmering or oscillating or glowing or maybe expanding. So I will just hold that as I write material. And and you're right. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes trash comes out. I'm like, going, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and sometimes uh, something comes out that I go, oh, okay. Or, or I understand connection between different kinds of material. Hmm. Um, what I find in the process is I put myself into the music and when it's finished, it's almost like the music has taught me something. Absolutely. And uh, it's it's a wonderful kind of collaborative process. Absolutely. Um, 
uh, there is something that I'm in control of and something I'm not in control of at all. Uh, you know? So, And it's that balance. Exactly. You know, in my book, I write about it as like baking bread. You can find all the right ingredients and you put, you need them. But then when it's in the pan and it's rising, you can't touch it because it will deflate. So you kind of have to guess with your, with your intuition, with all of your, old knowledge, new knowledge, ancient knowledge, mm-hmm. um, when it's right to put it in the oven. And oh, I think oh. in creative arts and even in creating your own life, you know, I I don't want to say that creativity is only in the, the arts. I think that we are creative people and we're constantly creating our lives. Mm. And there's sometimes when we have to have a leap of faith and a leap of faith means you don't have anything underneath you. And you're going to hope that this is your intuition tells you to do this. Mm. You trust. And uh, so there's stuff that you can't control in in the development of this. Mm. But what strikes me, if I look at your processes, that you're taking action, that you're actually living in the moment at there and then, and you're actually uh, if at all you're you're actually dreaming because you're creative, you're you have this vision already, and so I love it how you how you say, hey, this is uh, I know where I need to go. So your your compass is more or less pointing in one direction, and you know you want to go there. You don't see the steps yet exactly, but you have got a faith in yourself to take action, to move into the direction, and see what comes out. And you're happy to make a mistake. You don't beat yourself. Well, do you beat yourself up when you, when trash comes out? No, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, there are pieces that I write and I go, oh, that didn't really work out the way I wanted to. Okay, next piece. Beautiful, beautiful. Next exactly. Piece. And when I teach, um, you know, my students say, oh, I'm, I'm worried that I can't write this. And, <laughs> I, you know, I get into my head I'm, and I'm like going, that's why you have me. Because I'm going to say, you can do this. You know, take your time. It's not the solutions. Take a nap. Take a walk. Don't don't press yourself too hard. And when you're thinking in your head, you might say to your head, hey, who's talking? It's usually one of the little ones who are talking, who are saying to you, oh, you're just no good <laughs> and you can't do, and usually i turn to them i say hey honey i'm here i'm okay you're okay i'm in charge i'll take care of business thanks for letting me know it's a little distressful um and you can go back and play um <laughs> I never, so, I never heard it visualized as a, as a, as a, as a mum would say to a child, or, or etc. Oh, there are lots of parts of me that you know <sighs> could run amok. Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. create chaos and have created chaos for me. Have you ever felt like an imposter? Who are you to to write music? Who are you? Look at you, Tina. Oh, that kind of. Uh, um, I'm not quite. I don't quite have the imposter, although it might be disguised. <laughs> ah. It might be, you know, a little bit more surreptitious than who are you? Uh. I think there are parts of me, and I, I've done, 
a lot of work on my life in therapy and reading. And one of the reasons I wrote this book is that part of my composing process is to sit down and write and journal for an hour, half an hour, 45 minutes every single day uh, as part of trying to understand uh, myself. So uh, I've had to really, you know, lots of things come up when you're journaling. <laughs> so I've had to really dig in and do some really hard work because um, all of that stuff was, you know, at various times was really holding me back, uh, crippling me. Um, yes, the voices were loud. I don't know if they were saying, who are you? Mm. But they said other things that were equally as loud and destructive. Ooh, interesting. To me. Um, and it was really when my daughter was born, uh, I was 30, and I was holding her, and I thought, oh, you know, either I have to clean up my stuff, clean up my mess, or I'm going to hand it to her in some sort of form. Ooh. Ooh. Was that was that with hindsight that you thought that? Or was it really an active thought, an oh, active that's realization? When that... That's when I started therapy. I said I I'm Ooh. I'm gonna I am going to I am going to cripple this child. Wow. Because I don't have a handle on my anger, on my depression, on my wow. you know, all my stuff. Um uh, and I just thought I have to get down and dirty. I have to save my life so I can be a good parent. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now that is powerful. That is an insight that so many of us should have, because again, it, it, there was a, a moment, a catalyst that triggered you to take action and you took action. You actually did the hard work and there were many catalysts. There were many signs in my life. And instead of taking action, I took action the wrong way. I tried to escape. I tried to run away. I tried to to not face the music, so to speak. And that was... Oh, I totally understand that. <laughs> but that's, that's the title of my book, Let Your Heart Be Broken. Um, it came from... Uh, I was uh, at, at a talk by Stephen Mitchell, who did a lot of work with um, the AIDS crisis. Mm. Um, and he worked with Kubler-Ross on Death and Dying and a wonderful poet, as wow. well as an amazing writer. And um, I went to this conference and he sort of sat on the stage and he was kind of curled up and he's, he said, you know, people ask me what the meaning of life is. And I think it is, and he sort of paused. He said, let your heart be broken. And I, I thought about that for years. And finally, I decided that, you know, this is what we protect is our little life. Let, let me actually read you. He relaxes into his chair. I am asked that all the time, he replies. And I don't really know. He pauses, looking to a side. Then he turns back, smiling. But I think the meaning of life is to let your heart be broken. The heart, the round sphere of your being, let your heart be broken. Allow, expect, look forward to the life you have so carefully protected and cared for. Broken, cracked, rent in two, heartbreakingly, your heart breaks, and in the two halves rocking on the table is revealed rich earth. 
moist, dark soil ready for a new life to begin. Beautiful. Wow. What words to describe the very truth? Because that's what this, uh, this show is all about. Post-traumatic growth. Us becoming new beings in response to pressure, in response to challenges that none of us want. And that's virtually a unique theme going through uh, very every interview that I do. Because but most of my we, guests... We, we don't want it. We didn't deserve it. <laughs> ooh, ooh, like. Right. I like. Yes. You know, it's it, it, horrible. It happened. And I love that he says, let your heart. It's this kind of allow. It's not like go into it with anger and aggression. It's that sort of opening up to your pain and your suffering so you can get through it so you're not dragging it around and crippling yourself and other people with it and the miracle is that that experience provides this amazing rich soil so you can create a new life and I think it is the hardship that creates empathy and compassion and understanding it, it kind of makes you a better person mm. uh, if you're willing to get through it um and it's not passive but you are willing to step in uh, wow. into the fire absolutely and i have not seen music as that i have seen music as a tool to bring out my emotions so in the past um i must have been emotionally quite crippled, so to speak, because it was often only with the help of music and a bit of red wine that suddenly I was mm -hmm. able to cry. Suddenly I was able to to bring out a wave of emotions that was washing over me. Let it be dopamine, let it be uh, all the other beautiful mixes of, of weird things. But I mean, put on Les Miserables um, and uh, give me some, give me darkness and a wine and oh, it comes out. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that snotting? So maybe even the, the natural child is in there with that music. And is able to really express themselves. Exactly. Exactly. But you go two steps further. You are not just letting a feeling come out, but you are actually, you are visualizing something. And then you actually, and that visualization is a result of feelings. And then you're actually dealing with it. So you're actually taking action. You're not just bringing it out and see what happens. You're actually molding it, forming it sensing it so it's a very different different game that you're playing um well i think you're right <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not like oh look at that my heart's broken yeah Whoa. exactly 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 <laughs> yeah yeah wow uh and, and you know the compassion for yourself that even when you deal with something you know it kind of what do they say in in al-anon you know it, it changes clothing and get that gets back in line you know that you have to you have to deal with it again. It's not over. Um, and, well, I like and, that. You know, you know it, it's it's a hard lesson to learn that as much as we work and as much as we are in charge of the the problem, whatever it is, it does come back, and we have to 
look at it again and mm -hmm. work on it again. It's it's my experience is it's kind of like grieving. It's never as bad as the first wave of grief. You know, the second mm -hmm. wave is pretty bad too, and the third mm -hmm. wave is pretty horrible, and the fourth wave you go, oh my god, but then it starts to lighten up a little bit. You mm -hmm. know, there may be a pause between the storms, mm -hmm. um, and then one day there is a hint of sunlight. Um, mm -hmm. And so there is that, and, and, you know, years later, you still, it may still be raining and, you know, you can, mm. but it's not as heavy. It's mm. maybe a misting or a, a sprinkle or uh, you still have to get your raincoat on. But. <laughs> okay. That's beautiful. <laughs> and I think what you've described here is so, there are so many, so many aspects of, of your, your story that sound eerily familiar to me um because there is the journaling uh in uh, something to bring out your emotions something there's a creative process where where actually things are triggered you're you're poking the bear a little bit in there and see poke, poke, see what comes out poke, poke, see well, what comes out yes uh, but again i am i am uh very centered on serving my music and serving my serving my child. You know, those are my sort of two goals. Um, well, serving my community as well. But to yeah. do that, I I need to constantly have a kind of a, a, an emotional honesty mm. um, and a willingness to look at what I'm doing. Um, I think it serves my music the best. It. it Emotional I, I, honesty, bloody hell! Yeah, these are beautiful words to describe. Yeah. Uh, living right here and really yes. observing as an as an active participant, not as a passive victim of these neurochemicals, but actually more as an okay. What is happening here? I love it. Mm -hmm. I love yes. it. Yes, and also you know any kind of healing. I, you know, it's a multi-pronged approach, you know, therapy, yoga, meditation, eating right, sleeping well, you know, taking long baths, lighting candles, taking walks with my dogs. I mean, it's it's not just one thing. Yeah. It's many, many, many different things that serve uh, our wellness. And I uh, think that puts me in the best space to... Um, uh, create beautiful so true so true i have recently gone through pretty hard times and it's just now sort of that i'm i'm back in the driver's seat i'm tr i'm i'm trying to to not trying i am uh taking control back over some of these emotions and suddenly my creativity is picking up uh, and I thought, ooh, ooh. And a friend yesterday came, hey, shall we do another exhibition? And I thought, ooh, yeah. Mm. But last one, you know, a lot of our co-creators sort of dropped off, financial, et cetera. And mm -hmm. suddenly, so there was a problem. Uh, within a fraction of a second, I had found the solution for that problem. Um, bang. My my brain was bang. There you go. Um, <laughs> and I already knew exactly what I wanted to create, which pictures of pictures I wanted to shoot. So when you start taking control of other parts of your life, um, suddenly your creativity picks up, and it's just yes. for us to choose which medium we want to use. 
Um, uh, you are composing music. I create pictures. I photograph. Mm-hmm. I maybe make a new project uh, with regards mm-hmm. to a course or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's creativity there. And with the creativity, you create strength. You create right. validity. You create, uh, you know, confidence because you are back in control and it's so beautiful you're moving away from this victim victim phase state over there and you're not just a survivor when i become creative i am the thriver i that is maybe one hallmark of me being way over here in the pendulum towards the creativity towards the yeah yeah this is a beautiful world I, you know, again, I, I, in my teachings, I did a lot of teaching. I lived in Philadelphia. I did a lot of teaching in public schools with it, at-risk children uh, in very poor neighborhoods. And I was teaching them to write music, which seems kind of odd. No. <laughs> well, you know, uh, no. when they're, they're so poor, why are you teaching them music? And we would do that through uh, instrument building. Oh. They had no music programs in the school so we just built out of what do you have at home they have junk so they had we built it out of recycled materials and I found once the kids had created their little guitar out of a shoebox or their set of drums out of tin cans they'd almost do anything for me Mm. you know I could get them to do anything so I said okay let's write music we're going to draw the way the sound is And so they would draw it in different colors. And then we made the paper smaller for another project. And we invented symbols for high and low. You know, how high is it going? How low? How long is the sound? The duration? And ultimately, (laughs) what I was trying to teach them was, you are a creative human being. Beautiful. This belongs to you. Nobody can take it away from you. And so when you talk about creativity, I just always want people to not think that, oh, that person's special, they have creativity. That's actually not true. I mean, when you think of all the kids who come home with finger paintings that their parents have loved and put on their refrigerator and that were really beautiful, I think it's just an innate part of who we are is this creativity a lot of times we're told we're not creative. Uh, um, and I always say, if people are telling you, you can't do that, or come on, wise up, or that seems pretty unrealistic, and you really believe that, that there might be a way, I say, get better friends, get different friends, find somebody us, who will support us, you. Us. Um, and, um, and, you know, so if I have, Part of what I want to articulate is that we all have creativity. It needs to be honored. Yeah. And it needs to give a safe place to prosper. For that, you need to step back and let it happen and again something that that uh, due to to circumstances i focused so much on surviving in recent times that i didn't give that creativity a chance to actually come out and creativity can come in so many 
forms. I think one of what I just realized is that the way I'm cooking, the way I'm recently rekindling my love with my kitchen and with oh, creating is food. So creative. Absolutely. And, oh my gosh. And, it's so caring and and it's loving. not for, and it's not for nothing that people describe uh, a symphony of taste and that they describe all these these different forms often in in terms that are far more musical or far more emotional rather than something to do with the mixture of salt and and fat and and things on your on your tongue um so yes you're right it is creativity can come in any way shape and color and if we can foster that um yes. how beautiful is it because if we do that at a young age we can maybe create stronger human beings rather than uh, repairing repairing broken adults. Right, more okay. resilient because exactly. they have more to trust. Exactly. That maybe they can get out of this situation. Exactly. I think creativity offers you possibilities beyond what you can see. Absolutely. Beautiful. So um, it is a wonderful metaphor mm. for living life, a rich life. Mm. So true. And it is because you're you're willing to to try. Um, maybe you also are then willing to give it a go with a relationship. You're willing to to um, take that leap of faith uh, with maybe some wise investments, uh, which you otherwise would have never done. So you never know where this this growing growing strength that you're creating in yourself where that oozes over into other areas of your life and that's the beautiful thing so creativity and and having a outlet for your emotions to grow and even in your case to play and to mold and to to come out that is beautiful and i think that is so that is that is so wonderful for all of us to learn from you um, to actually take more control, you are you have taken control of your process. You have formalized it to a certain degree with the help of decades of experience. But that doesn't mean to say that we all cannot start being creative. And by actually just setting some time aside, where we switch off our phones, <laughs> where we actually tell people, "Nope, this is my time," and now let's actually experience an emotion and see how I can translate that emotion maybe into words, poetry, journaling, um, writing a book, uh, maybe into sound. Uh, why not singing, humming, um, even maybe formalizing it, learning how to sing, learning how to play an instrument, learning how to compose. Who says you can't? And well, Exactly. And I, I want to put in an example of something is in my book. Uh, at, a, at a certain point, I was having a great deal, deal of difficulty with my, my parents. And um, I decided what I needed to do was to forgive them. I certainly didn't want to forgive them. But I decided um, that I would, when I was walking the dogs, I would say, I forgive you, mom or dad. But I wouldn't have to mean it necessarily. So I gave myself permission, okay. which is, it's actually was so smart. 
So I'd walk this dog and she was a bull terrier. So she pulled and it was hot in the streets of Philadelphia and dirty. And I'd start with myself. I forgive you, you know, and there were things, and I'd forgive my daughter and I'd forgive my ex-husband. I forgive my brothers and sisters. And about 20 minutes in the walk, I was forgiving my mother and my father. And I would say, Oh, I forgive you, you horrible, you know, and my hair was crazy and I was ranting and raving. I must have scared a whole neighborhood because I said, oh, that crazy woman. I did it for a year. And what I noticed was changes. It didn't restore me to a loving relationship with my mother and my stepfather, but I could be kind to them. I could stay in the room with them. I didn't have to leave. Oh, nice. I could be you know, one Christmas they gave me a present and I said, thank you. And when my mother was in her last years of life and needed help, I could help. And it, I think sometimes we think forgiveness will change the story, will make it all better, and we'll get back that parent that wasn't able to give us what they what we needed. But For me, it was a healing within me that I could be kind to them. I could let go of my anger. Wow. Um, I could go up and when my mother was, you know, in the throes of Alzheimer's, she'd say, who who are you? And I'd say, well, I am your daughter. And I wasn't offended. I wasn't angry. It was, it was amazing. I was, you know, I was free to go. Wow. And it started by saying, I'll say this, I don't have to mean it. Wow. And so I'm thinking that when people try to be creative, they don't have to at that moment see themselves as creative. They're sure. just going to do it. Correct. 100% and then agreed. Slowly, it starts to attach to you. Mm. <laughs> Forgiveness started to attach to me. Um, and I, I think it. it was that willingness to give myself permission not to have to put on the wrong clothing that didn't fit me, you know, the forgiveness clothing. And I was walking around mm. kind of uh, all bundled up. But just <laughs> to say, I'm going to say this. I don't have to mean it. And I'm going to see what happens. Wow. Um, wow. And I think that is that's intriguing. That's very intriguing. I'm I'm a perfectionist, and that can be very handy when you're an anesthetist and then as a doctor, that's cool. But it's not so no not so cool when you actually try to do something the very first time because it's very likely that you fail or that you that the outcome is not the hundred percent that you aspire to. Um, and but to actually give you permission to be a mess and permission to to just give it a go and yes. maybe laugh about yourself learn about that in a second but if isn't you... that also about being sober i mean mm. you're just gonna do it just today that's all <laughs> true. That's all. True, true 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 true, true, true. I, I, what about tomorrow no that's right that's right and i think that's such a you know the brilliancy of of AA is um, 
you know, they really were able to conceive these sort of life lessons yeah. that um, really work. Yeah. You just you just take this day. That's enough. Um, and today, you're absolutely right. I'm going to try to do this. And I'm going to forgive myself in advance if it fails. <laughs> it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to work. Okay. okay. I like that. That's okay. I, like I that give myself, you know, I'll just do it. And, yeah. yeah. But guess what, guys? Um, if you tried it again and again and again, your educated guess what will work will actually become better. Um, uh, what has not worked um, or you know what has started to kindle the flame a little bit so now you suddenly find a petrol to pour on the fire and you think okay I'm getting I like that and so there is so much to learn here from your journey Tina there's so much to learn from your book um, so it is show us your book again okay it's yes. called let your heart be broken life and music from a classical composer. And that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Guys, what have you got to lose? Think of it like a journey into a new endeavor. I think most of my my audience would have never thought about classical composing. I think that's fair to say. Um, but who says that you that this might not be a, a new thing to try? I think one of my first guests was a um a special forces soldier or, or was certainly at the, the tip of despair man until he walked into a machine gun the wrong way around and he was pretty messed up and he lost himself completely and he went into a very dark dark uh he listened to the people around him and said look come along and today we're going to play golf why don't you come along and he gave it a shot and uh, <laughs> golf was not for him. And another time they came along and said, look, tonight we're going to go up to stand up comedy and we, we, we just all give it a shot as being comedian. Well, guess what he is now? <laughs> exactly. Really. Comedian. Exactly. <laughs> he was willing to give it a shot. He was willing to just improv and go out there. And I think that is the lesson. We are often shying away due to conditioning, due to um, fear, due to some some oh, crap messages that were laid down in our childhood um, that stop us from prospering, that stop us from going out there. And I think what I've learned is that there is so much that I can gain from giving it a shot, yes. from giving it a try from going out there and just exposing myself. And even if it turns out immediately to custard, um, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. There are some, some competitions, some shooting competitions I go to. And from the word go, I know I will not hit even a barn door. Down door? I've heard it both ways. The uh, barn door. And that's okay. That's okay. I will still actually learn a lot. So even if I don't come home with a medal, I come home with a lot of experience and I've grown. I was willing to put myself out there. I was willing to, to mm -hmm. uh, just give it a go. And I think that is what you are doing. You're having this little direction, that little vision. And you say, okay, let's, let me, let me compose something and see what yeah. comes out. 
Well, let me write a book and get it published. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another way. So see, yes. it's it's infectious. You're starting, <laughs> what it oozes over in other aspects of your life. Um, <laughs> and it's beautiful. So uh uh, you're an amazing woman, Tina. I'm, I'm, Thank you. Uh, it is lovely, lovely to to talk to you. It's lovely to see actually that there are so many similarities. But there's also uh, I've learned a lot today with regards to the impact of music and how you actually use it as an active medium rather than passive to listen right. to it. You're creating it. And that is that is I didn't I didn't I didn't grasp onto that. So I have grown today, and for that I'm very, very grateful to you. Oh, um, thank you. Oh, hell yes! Um, <laughs> if if people want to find more out about you, where can they go? Where can they find you? Oh, it, my website is www.tinadavidson.com. You can find me on Facebook. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Spotify. Oh well, uh, you they... can search my music on Spotify. Excellent. Uh, uh, yeah, Instagram. Fantastic. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and the podcast because all of her information and the links are down there. Tina, thank you so much for making my day a bit of a better day. My day has started off very creative, actually. I've learned a lot. So I'm I'm very grateful. I hopeful hopefully that that you gave permission to my to my viewers and listeners to actually say, huh, why don't I give it a go? And yeah. why don't I take action and right. see where it leads me to? Yes. And you yes. never know. I love that. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Tina, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. You're amazing. I can't wait to see where where you are going. Uh, I will actually listen to quite a few bits of your music now and try to think, hmm, what was she thinking? <laughs> and maybe I like I'm, I'm it. Yeah, exactly. So it but, is but Remember that when I put my music out to you and I share it to you and you listen to it, my real goal is not that you understand me, uh, but that you understand you. Ooh, ooh, exactly, exactly. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Tina, you're amazing. Thank you so Thank much you. for being a guest on my show. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. <laughs> I never give up. I never give up, I never give up, turn around.